Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm Paul Comfort. And on this episode of the world's leading transit executive podcast, we speak with Adam Barth. Adam is CEO of the Stanislaus Regional Transit Authority in Modesto, California. This is a newly formed transit agency where they took the county and the city transit systems that were running concurrently and merged them. At the time, Adam was CEO of the city of Modesto's transit system, and he eventually became the CEO of the merged system running in the county there. And he came from Fairbanks, Alaska, and he tells us about his history, how he started as a bus driver in the tourism industry there, worked his way up to head up their transit system in Fairbanks, and then moved back home to Modesto, where he took over the system. What I really enjoyed about today's podcast is Adam's discussion, frankly, of mistakes he's made in his career and lessons he learned when merging the city and the county and making a lot of changes all at once, what they learned from that, what you might learn from that, and how we can all learn from mistakes to grow for our own career. On this episode of Transit Unplugged, let's join the conversation with Adam Barth. Adam Barr, thanks for being with us today on Transit Unplugged. Thanks for having me, Paul. We've been trying to get this together for a while, so I'm glad we finally were able to do so here in the new year. And uh, you've got a lot going on there. I think today's going to be a very interesting conversation. First off, why don't you just kick us off and tell us about the system, your CEO of Stanislaus Regional Transit Authority in Modesto, California. So tell us some about that and what you do there. Okay. Well, I'm the, C- I'm the, I'm the CEO here uh, running a small system. We have about 130 buses in the fleet, 23 routes that run around Modesto and around the county as well, but also some commuter services that run over to the Bay Area. We're in about 3 million trips a year, which is great. Uh, We're seeing uh, great numbers on the system. Since COVID is ended now, we're seeing actually more ridership on the system than pre-COVID, which is great to see. And I think it goes a lot to on how great things we're doing here in Modesto and throughout the county. That's great. I wouldn't call that a small system, by the way. I'd call that a mid-sized <laughs> okay. system. Yeah. With over, with over 100 buses, I think you're a mid-sized system. And for those of us, as they say in Rio Linda or whatever they used to say, tell us, situate Modesto for us geographically as where it's at in California. Oh, sure. So we're about 100 miles south of Sacramento and maybe about the same uh, east of San Francisco. So right in the valley, central valley of, Calif- of California, central to agriculture and a lot of great things here in the valleys. It's, it's a great place to live. That's awesome. So how long have you been there and kind of walk us through your background a little bit? So I've been here in Modesto for about seven years now. I came from, actually from here in the Modesto area, but I started my transportation career up in Alaska. I was a bus driver up there, not for the public transit side, but for the uh, tour and char- charter side of um, Alaska tourism. And I was a bus driver up there uh, for, well, for a couple of years um, and gradually moved into public transportation. And, and uh, when the opportunity came to move back to Modesto, I jumped at the chance and uh, running the system here. So going from a small system in Alaska to a much well, bigger system here. Yeah. And you were in Fairbank, Alaska, right? Fairbanks, Alaska. Yes. Yeah. Much, uh, it's a very cold place to live, but uh, it, yeah. was a, it was a good place to you know, learn, um, learn how to uh, drive buses and to give tours. Um, but then I, then I moved into the public transit side. Um, after about 10 years or so into the transit side, I, I had to learn how, to, the, how different it was going from the private side to the public side of transportation, which is there's some differences there, but it was interesting to to learn the differences and how and how to you know how to get more how to get more more people on the bus. Yeah. 
Well, as you know, I've been talking to Dave Johnson, who's the manager there now in Fairbanks, and about possibly going up there and doing an episode of our Transit Unplugged TV show this summer when they open up a brand new facility there. Tell us about some of the key points and key people that helped you along your way from Fairbanks coming back to Modesto. Sure. Well, as part of the public, sorry, the private side of transportation in, in, in Alaska, I remember there was one time where the VP of the cruise line that I worked for, he, I was a brand, brand new operations manager at the time, and he was a key person that really led me to where I am today. But a key thing that he told me was that, hey, I'm going to make mistakes and that's okay. Just try not to make them expensive mistakes. And he went on then to tell me about how he made a really extensive mistake and how he correct, corrected himself and how he got better from that experience. I think I learned that same thing as well over, over time as I learned that I'm going to make, make, I'm going to make, make mistakes too. And you learn from them and you make yourself a better uh, person, a, be, a better employee and be able to contribute more to your agency. Let's talk about that for a minute. I think that's an important lesson for people in the transit industry or any industry that want to kind of move up the ladder of success. If you can have a mentor early on that maybe has a little bit of grace for you, because I think when we're in our 20s, especially, we're all, you know, rip-roaring, ready to go, and we sometimes overlook things. I know I did. I I remember a moment early in my career when I was in business development for a company, and I, you know, it was a very complicated situation for somebody like in their late 20s to figure all this out. But I remember not knowing something. It just, I wasn't aware of it. And it came back to bite me in the rear end later because when it came up for the bid to be done, I hadn't included some costs that needed to be included in the bid. And then we found out, we met with the customer and my boss at the time, John Monson, who was a mentor to me, he became CEO of MV Transportation at the time. We were with another company that no longer exists, Uh, but he put his arm around me. We walked out and said, you know, Walk me through it. You know, I was very upset with myself for not catching this mistake, which was in the tens of thousands of dollars. I don't think I ever made that mistake again or anything like it because I was extra cautious, you know? Yeah. And so it sounds like to me, you had a boss like that as well. Someone who earlier in your career was telling you, try not to make it too expensive if you make a mistake and try to learn from it, right? I think sometimes the issues are that some people who make mistakes don't learn from them. What do you think of that, Adam? Have you seen that? Yeah, I think I think that's the case for sure. But I think, you know, I think that's how I think that's how you can progress too, is you learn from the mistakes, you're gonna learn from them, and that's what's gonna make you a great person, not just in professional life, but in, in anything you do, you're gonna learn from it and your life is gonna get so much so much better after that. And that's what you learn from them. Yeah. If you think you're right and you have a super high opinion of yourself and you're kind of what some people might call cocky, you may say when a mistake happens, oh well, that's not my fault. That, that was issues that were outside of my control. Kind of like I just said, right? You know, well, these are things I wasn't aware of, but had I done enough research, right? I might've found those numbers. And so I think too often people will try to push blame off of themselves because they don't want to be at the center of the blame circle, so to speak, and say, well, it was out of my control. It was the environment. It was another person. It was another situation. But I think I'm really happy you call attention to that right off the bat, because I think that's something, especially for young people, I always say, I just did a talk in Canada at the CUDA conference. I spoke to the young leaders group there and I pointed out, you know, draw a circle around yourself and that's where improvement needs to begin. (laughs) And so if we continue to work on improving myself, ourselves in general, like my dad taught me, always work to improve yourself. That's how you move ahead, right? 
And that's what happened to you. So keep yep. telling us that story. Okay. So I, you know, I moved back to Modesto um, and uh, was running the Modesto Air Express bus system, which was run by the city of Modesto at the time. And just two years ago now in 20, 2020, 2021, um, officials in our area, so elected officials, saw the, a logic of combining transit systems in our area. So Modesto had run a system and the county had run a separate system. As it happened, the staff from both systems worked on the same floor in, in the same building, but <laughs> we had different staff. We had a different brand. We had a different technology on board the buses. We were separate, although we were friends, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so officials saw the, the logic in combining the systems. And so in 2021, the city of Modesto and the county combined forces and, joined, and created a, what's called a joint powers agency. Oh, yeah. uh, where two, the two government agencies uh, formed a new government agency called the Stanislaus Regional Tra Transit Authority to combine the system. And so we're a new system um, today that that wor works well. We combined technologies. We created a new brand. We branded all of the buses and combined the whole fleet into one one under one maintenance shop. And now it's run by a, a one operator as well. All, all of our system is run by a third party operator. So that. The impetus of that was to really create a system that was easy to ride and make it easier for people to use the bus here and here in the area, both in Modesto and, and throughout the county. And we've seen that with the ridership over the last uh, six to twelve to six to twelve months. We've seen ridership really explode and exceed pre-COVID, which That's is amazing. awesome to see. Yeah. We did a, a big planning effort to look at all of our routes to figure out which routes were working well and, and which weren't and did a massive restructuring of all of our routes just this past March. Oh, and that seemed to help. Uh, that's, that was awesome. It really made trans a whole lot easier to use here in our area, not, and not just with the brand and the technology and the technology and the, and one fair structure and one fair media, one fair media, but made it really easy to ride the buses as well where the routes actually went. Gotcha. And it, wh why is it called Stanislaus? Is that the name of the county? That is the name of the county. Yes. Right. And prior to this, you were the head of the city one, right? The city of Modesto? Correct. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then you ended up being the head of the overall system? Right. There was an interim CEO that, that helped form the authority. Okay. And he retired after about six months or so. And, and uh, I applied and I, obviously was, I've been part of the system now for so long. The Modesto system was the bigger one of the two systems that were merged. So I had the experience over several years in the Modesto area and being a local guy too. I was born and raised here in the Modesto area. So oh, yeah. um, it was nice to leave Alaska and kind of just yeah, come, back. come back home. Yeah. And who's your operator? You said you outsourced to a third party? Transdev is our Transdev. third party. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So you've made some decisions along the way, right? So what they might say, the good, bad, and the ugly. Since you're in California, we'll use a line from a movie, right? A Clint Eastwood movie. So tell me about some of the decisions you've made and, uh, you know, we've kind of broached this topic already, but what have you learned from them and what would you do differently? I, I think as part of the consolidation of the two tra transit systems, that was um, an area that we could have done things a little bit differently. It was okay. um, a little bumpy at first. Um, so we set a date, it was January 1st of 2022, when we were, we were really going to combine the systems under one operator. Uh, but it also involved new vehicles and new technology at the same time for different reasons. And I think to start a new operator with a consolidated system with new vehicles and new technology all on the same day was a decision that we probably should have, you know, maybe taken a different look at. And 
with it, it was bumpy at first, uh, for sure. It's definitely since smoothed out. I don't know where you find that today, but I think that was one of the, that was a, a decision that we could have made made differently to try to ease in the changes. Oh, uh, too um, many things at one time. You mean too many things at one time, right? And just do things inc- inc- incrementally. I think is the lesson learned from that. Do things uh, a little bit at a time, not everything all at once. Right, right. And you're probably thinking you're all excited, right? We're going to get all this change, and then you have one point of failure, and it can ripple effect into other things, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. If you, you know, you have, you have new vehicles or maybe a new technology, it takes time for, for drivers or for dispatchers to learn that, how it works and learn the kinks with it and, and smooth out all, all those wrinkles. It takes some time to, to make that happen. And I think doing it more, an incremental approach would be done, would be a little bit better. So a big challenge, making transit easier in your region. And it sounds like you've done that. I mean, what, what, I, I, kudos, I guess, is what I want to say to the leaders of your county and city foreseeing an opportunity for consolidation. Have they seen a reduction in overall cost as a result of the consolidation? I think we've seen a little bit. Um, and in the first year, we did some analysis. I think we did see a reduction in costs for um, administrative staff. You know, we had staff that came in over from Modesto and some from the county. Okay. Um, not everyone came over as part of the consolidation, but there were some some savings there in, in, in staffing as you know, you would think that, you know, two agencies, you're going to have some overlap in what some people do. And so you have some overlap and obviously wouldn't need um, everybody to do those same things um, twice. Any other changes you have planned that you'd like to talk about or improvements to your system? You know, I think uh, bus rapid transit is our next big thing as well that we want to do here in, in, in the Modesto area. We have an idea for the route it, it, it should go on and we want to go down we, we want to go down that road as I think we've seen, you know, time and again in other places how you implement a BRT system and more people are on the bus, are on the buses, which is great. You know, BRT has so many good, good things about it that we hope could emulate on any bus route to get more buses out there because frequency is um, matters, right? You know, the more buses you have on a route, the easier it is to ride. And uh, that's where I'd like to get to. And so getting BRT in some areas, I think it would be awesome for Modesto. And so that's the, the next big thing as we as we work forward with the new, fa- new facility as well. I love that, Adam. I'm a big fan of BRT as well. Uh, I was in Latin America this year and saw in Brazil and other places how they are using it in a big way. And, you know, what they said and what I've heard other people say is, you know, it's great to try to bring in a new light rail line or a new heavy rail line, but the cost is so high. And once you lay down the route, there's no changing it. And BRT, you know, is an answer to that, right? Because you lay it down, it's quicker, it's less costly, especially in this era of fiscal cliffs that everybody's talking about. While we still want to expand service, it seems to me to be kind of like a golden solution in many ways. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. It's the, I think it's the Right thing to do is you get more is you get more people on the bus and have a nice 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 frequent bus route to get people going as fast as they can. Another kind of big big ticket item that's happening now when you talk about you know a lot of changes coming to the industry all at once is the move and I think California's taking the lead here in the U.S. on moving towards zero emission buses. Talk to us about that some. Yeah, so we actually have five zero emission buses in the fleet today, and they're. Working fine. The, the, we have some range issues, as you, as I think that's a common uh, issue that you find with battery electric bus and the and the in the industry today. Some range issues with those buses. We uh, Modesto bought them in 2018, so we've had them for five years or so now, which is fine. But we know that we need to move to a full fleet zero emission bus fleet, and so that's going to take a little bit more um, space uh, for us. Our our current shop is at capacity. We're at capacity. We don't have we don't have any more room for additional uh, bus chargers or hydrogen equipment. And so right now we're in the very preliminary stages of, of uh, going 
and getting a new bigger facility. So to be able to accommodate growth, because one, one thing we want to expand our, our system, we have we have room to expand we, and we want to expand our, our route system. So that means more buses, more drivers, more more staff, obviously, but we need to more space too for, for the zero emission infrastructure. So whether it be hydrogen or battery electric, we need more space for, for that. And so we're in the process now to get a new facility um, to accommodate both of those items. And so we're, we have some funds now to start the land acquisition and design of that facility. And California has some other funds to help us uh, to move forward with next stage, to, with the next stages of construction after we get that done. So it's a great time to be here, here in Stanislaus County as we're looking, f- as we're looking forward for expansion and improvement of the public transit system. And it's super exciting to be a part of. Now is the new facility going? Are you going to move everything over there, or are you just going to open a facility so you'll have two? We'll move everything over. So the admin, the administration staff is in an office just, just downtown. So we're we are removed from our downtown ch- transit center where the main hub of activity is at, obviously, and that's even re- re- removed from where the shop is at. So getting us all under one roof will be great. We'll have some more synergies with staff on both maintenance and operations, and bring everybody together to make us see even better than we are yeah. today. You mentioned hydrogen just in passing. Let's unpack that a little bit where you're at on that. As I mentioned, I was just in Edmonton where they and Strathcona, which is right next to it, they have the first two hydrogen-powered buses in Canada in regular route service. Tell us about what your experience has been and where you're at on that right now when it comes to hydrogen. We're pretty sure that hydrogen is the way, hydrogen is the way we want to go with our zero emission fleet. We don't have any fleet yet, but we know that we'd like to go down that road for the same reason that you just mentioned the range that you can get three three hundred miles on a, yeah. on a tank of hydrogen, right? And we have some routes that are you know go out into the county where they're going three hundred miles on a day. Okay, and so it's important for us to have that range as well. Obviously, we have other routes in Modesto that don't go that don't need that type of range, but having a nice fleet that's consistent through the whole fleet is that's why we're going with hydrogen. And but we still are in the process of uh, figuring out how to move forward with the, with the infrastructure for fueling. There's no commercial sites um, here here in the Modesto area that we could tap into. So it'd be creating our own fueling infrastructure at our new shop that we're going to build okay. and then start down the, that road of, uh, of purchasing the, the hydrogen buses. Well, you all have some great examples there, right? Like down where uh, Lauren Skyver used to head up in Sunline Transit, where she built her own hydrogen plant and has this has a zero emission center of excellence. And then you've got, you know, just south of LA, right? Foothills uh, moving toward uh, hydrogen fuel. So you've got good, I guess, partners you could talk to about how to make it work. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, every transit system in the States is um, under that same mandate to go to, to go to go zero emission. And so we are all in good company here and we're all going to learn from each other um, on how the best to move forward. Yeah, we're actually going to do, I think as the time we're recording this, we're planning to do it the week after your show is an episode of Transit Unplugged, the podcast on bus shortages and what in the world is happening in our industry right now where we have billions of dollars coming out of Washington to purchase zero emission buses and two of the manufacturers just had major issues. One pulled completely out of the market. We just did a show at the end of the year with Paul Scatellis, the CEO of APTA, where he talks about that and now APTA has a committee now focused just on that. And then of course, Proterra going bankrupt and them now being an acquisition sale from another company. But uh, there's big concerns about the backlog of buses. And what are you hearing on the hydrogen side? I know there's a hydrogen council. We're going to have them back on for a second show coming soon. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, it's a concern for sure. I think we have either way you go with the battery electric or hydrogen. I think, you know, if you were to make an order today, they're a couple years out. And so you have some time to figure out the fueling piece because that's a key piece. And that's something that I was, I'm intentional with as well, that we don't want to order our buses until we know how we're going to fuel them. 
And we, you, know, you want to be sure you go, you go down the road, make sure you take it slow and you do it the right way. So you don't have buses here without any way to fuel them or the fueling infrastructure without any of the buses to, you know, to fuel them. Yeah. So, so definitely you want to take it slow and do it the right way. Well, Adam Barr, thank you so much for being our guest today. Any final thoughts you want to share with us on anything else? You know, one last thing, if I could, just a quick story about the about all the new routes that we Im- implemented about nine months ago. I uh, the routes were implemented for about a month or so, and I'm like, I really want to go ride this one route because it was a bit, it was a big change to it. And so I went out there. I didn't know the driver. I didn't introduce myself. I just got on the bus to see how it was going. I wanted to check the timing, see how many people were on the bus, and I was on the route and. I was in the back and I heard some folks behind me talk about, they didn't know who I was. Hey, this route is so much better now because this goes bi-directionally. I can get to, 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 to and from my son's school really quickly. I can get to the store. I'm like, oh, and this is great. I'm like, oh, we got this route right. And it's so nice to hear those good stories about how we can get it right sometimes and really make a difference in, in people's lives. A great story, Adam. And it, it just speaks to the fact that we really don't know what the customers think unless they tell us. And we can't hear them unless we're with them. And we're not with them unless we're riding the freaking bus. That's right. <laughs> you got to get on the bus. If you're a leader in your transit system, you can't manage from behind your desk or by an email screen, right? You got that right. Yeah, you're, yeah 100% right there. Yeah. And people look to leaders of transit systems to be consumers of that service, right? They want to see them. I know my friend who leads the system here in Washington, D.C., Randy Clark, who came from Austin, Texas, and now has been here for over a year. I had him on the show, the podcast again recently, and he rides every day. And so many transit leaders are saying you know, that they are giving up their car or at least not using their car to get to work. And they're riding whenever possible. And they're a face So your job as a CEO of a transit system isn't just to be the chief executive officer. It might also be, you know, to be the chief customer officer in a sense and to be out there with the customers like Andy Byfer taught us while he got his name of train daddy in New York because people love seeing him. He wore his badge. He wasn't embarrassed to be out there, you know, proudly standing for his system and receiving the input directly from the passengers. What, What do you think about that as, you know, as an important part of your job as a chief executive? Yeah, I think all CEOs and, and I think other members of the team should all be on the buses to, to, to know what, know what the product is and know, know what's out there and, and use it yourself per- personally as well. I on occasion do ride the bus into work um, as well. Not every day, but that definitely is there. And definitely I, I appreciate that access that I have to get in, to get into work and to see it. But definitely it's definitely the, the way to go. And, and the CEO and everybody, I think in the transit yeah. industry needs to be right, riding the system. I would agree. You know, it's one of the things this is our, my last comment on it, but. One of the things I implemented when I was in Baltimore, the CEO, was we had a new employee orientation, you know, for a couple of weeks that employees would, uh, any new employee that would join the agency, whether they were in HR, finance, IT, procurement, legal, you know, operations, maintenance, whatever, they would go through this week-long class, and then it was longer for some. And I was uh, shocked to see that it did not include a ride on the system. And oh. and because so many people that work in large transit agencies, especially even mid-sized agencies, I think can go for years and never ride the system. And so I made changes. I directed them to add a full day on Friday at the end of the week, a fun day to go out and visit some of the garages. So we visited a bus garage, a light rail garage, and the subway system garage, and we rode a bus to do it. And so they could see what it's like. They could go see the facilities. And it was so heartwarming to me to hear comments back from people that went through it and said, it was such an enjoyable day. I might never have even gotten out of my administrative office. Like you mentioned a minute ago, your offices are in the city offices downtown, not like at the operations. A lot of places are like that. And they never get an opportunity 
because you get, you know, overwhelmed, right? You're up to your neck and alligator, so to speak, once you get in the job and you're doing, and you never get out to see. So at least once, for heaven's sake. Yes. <laughs> That's I our message from today, right? And more yes. often, hopefully. <laughs> yes, definitely. I agree with you there, Paul. Yeah. Adam Barr, CEO of Stanislaus Regional Transit Authority. Sounds like you're doing great things. And you've shared with us some great lessons for people in the industry that we can continue to, even if we make mistakes, to learn from them and grow from them and you know, take ownership for our mistakes and then learn and grow and put into place practices that so that one isn't too expensive and so you learn from it for the future. We hope right. to see you again at a conference upcoming, Adam. Thank you, Paul. Appreciate it. Hey, are you a member of the C-suite or a senior executive manager of a public transit agency in North America? Well, for you, I'm excited to announce the return of the Think Transit Conference Executive Summit. This is an all-day event that I help curate with our team just for the C-suite of public transit agencies. Here, top leaders share best practices and solve challenges affecting our industry. This year's event will be held on Monday, March 25th, 2024, in Tucson, Arizona, at the JW Marriott Star Pass, on the first day of the Think Transit Conference, sponsored by Trapeze and Vontis. This year's exclusive summit offers multiple presentations from your fellow transit executives with two exciting panels. We'll have one panel, with chief innovation officers of public transit agencies and another panel with chief operating officers of leading transit systems addressing the latest transit innovations and operations challenges and solutions. We'll also host two roundtable discussions workshopping very real and relevant transit industry hot topics like increasing ridership and revenue and addressing crime and the unhoused on transit. Then stick around for a very special dinner excursion on Monday night for summit participants. All this for only $149 Plus, you have access to the entire Think Transit conference. To find out more, visit www.trapezegroup.com forward slash Think Transit forward slash Executive Summit. More details are available there, and you can register or send me a note if you have any questions. I consider this a highlight of the year and hope you can join me there. Hi, this is Tris Hussey, editor of the Transit Unplugged podcast, and thank you for listening to this week's episode with our special guest, Adam Barth. Now, coming up next week on the show, we have a special hot topic panel on bus shortages. We just can't get enough buses built fast enough to meet the needs of the transit industry. Paul talks with Ed Redfern and Joel Rubin of the Bus Coalition, and Julia Castillo and Brooke Ramsey of Herta, and we get an industry perspective from Patrick Scully. Hope you join us for this very special episode, and we hope to have more of these hot topic panels throughout the year. Did you know Transit Unplugged has a brand new newsletter? We do, and it's looking great. Head over to transitunplugged.com to sign up so you always know what's going on with the podcast, the TV show, and get a chance to catch up on episodes you might have missed. If you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on the show, feel free to email us anytime at info at transitunplugged.com. Transit Unplugged is brought to you by Medaxo. At Medaxo, we're passionate about moving the world's people. And at Transit Unplugged, we're passionate about telling those stories. So until next week, ride safe and ride happy.